0: Hi, everyone. This is Katherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 331. And tonight, we are back on schedule. Everybody's back from vacation. Um is currently not being blown away by a hurricane, but God knows that could change at some point. I so know. I know. We, we probably should do a little bit of a mini sit rep about that. Yeah. Uh, hurricane yeah. Ian, is it? Is uh, bearing yeah. down on Florida and angling to hit, hopefully, well, it's hard to say hopefully. It's probably going to hit north of where our parents and Hannah are. But uh-huh. when a hurricane hits north of the west coast of Florida, that means a storm surge. And I think mom and dad might be in the danger zone. It's kind of hard to tell with their street being kind of curvy and everything. But Hannah has a friend who offered um, a place for them to stay in their condo while they're away. And the condo is much further inland. And I think mom and dad are going to take them up on it. And yep. I hope yep. Hannah does too, because her, her, her apartment is up on stilts, but it's close to a creek and the water gets really high during a storm surge. Yeah. I'm glad that, I mean, I was just talking to mom this afternoon, and Hannah's just, mom was saying that Hannah was saying something while mom was doing a thing, a task, and moving on to another, and Hannah's like, stay on task, mom. And she's like, yes, yes." And I'm like, I need people like that in my life, I swear to God. So Hannah's been keeping them real focused, and oh my goodness, so just a knockwood that everything is fine. Hopefully it does not end up being bad. I mean, that happens. We brace for the worst, and and it's fine. Everybody's okay. I mean, it's bearing down on Cuba right now, so I hope Cuba's doing okay. Yeah, I do. I really do. And, you know, at the time this episode drops, it'll have actually passed Florida, and it'll be headed towards me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really hope lovely. it manages to wear itself out a bit. So Yeah, yeah, that'd be swell. Uh, so just to jump right on to other topics, we are, of course, talking about Laura Limbus. We're going to be talking about Episode 211, which is available on the Webtoon app for for free right now and then we're going to jump straight into 212 which is only available if you are paying for the fast passes which we do because we just can't wait (laughs) (laughs) we love having two episodes to read at the same time yeah and i don't think this is going to take too long to recap because episode 211 right where the last episode left off, where Hades and Persephone walked in the house. They're all happy. They're all giggly. And who's waiting for them but Demeter, who is just a giant buzzkill? Yep. And the first thing she does, she just kind of looks at them and she says, why are you wet? And this is a point where Rachel surprised me, because I kept expecting things to go a different way. Like Demeter would be just utterly appalled and talking over everybody and she'd be furious at Persephone for not instantly going to check on her after, you know, everything was fine. Persephone just like gets tears in her eyes and she runs forward and absolutely glomps her mother and she's like, oh my God, I'm so happy to see you. And that was a perfect... Reunion right there. I mean yeah, that seemed to yeah. be what Demeter wanted too, and you know, uh Hades kind of excuses himself, I think, to go make tea for them or something, and Persephone's just like, you know, you see in the background chatter, chatter, chatter. So she's obviously really happy and really enthusiastic to talk to her mother, and it's fine for now. Yeah, and she doesn't like I was thinking that she was going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I forgot you. No, I mean, she instantly is just like, I'm so sorry I didn't come to see you sooner. We had a lot of cleanup to do down here in the underworld, all that kind of stuff. And Demeter eventually says something along the lines of, you know, I'm so proud of you. You've done so well. I'm so happy to see you. So now it's time to come home. And Stephanie's <laughs> like, uh, what? Yeah. And you see Hades dropping the tray of teacups on the floor in shock. And Persephone's kind of giving them this, no, sort of a wave in the background there. Um, and she tells Demeter, no, she's not going with her because this is her home. And Demeter's yep. not hearing it. No. And Demeter does the thing that we knew she was going to do. She's like, oh, I I know that there was all that stuff that was going on during the trial and everything. But you know, it's you don't really love him. This is just a phase. And I'm like, oh, I knew she was going to say that. I knew it. But she even brings up the weirdest example of a phase. She said, it's like when you were really enthusiastic about that showboaty geometry, but you eventually settled down to a real mathematical focus, which was calculus, I think. And like, Persephone literally face palms at this, and it's a great picture because you see her with her palm over her face, and then you see her looking out past her palm, and she is just done. And she tells Demeter, "You know, we're having a mushroom, a home baked mushroom CD for dinner tonight. If you want to stay, you're more than welcome. If not, have a good trip back to the mortal realm." So, and it's it's really refreshing to see Persephone acting like this because Demeter has been a very overbearing parent. And I was almost afraid that Persephone was going to cringe a little bit. Nope, not a cringe insight. No, not even when Demeter changes tax and she looks at Hades and she's like, Hades, I need to talk to you privately. And Persephone's not having it. She's like, No. You're going to be obviously talking about me. Anything you can say to Hades, you can say when I'm in the room, too. And Demeter tries to fight her on, and Persephone is like, no, that's it. You, if you got something to say to him, you say it when I'm in the room, too. And I was like, yay! So Demeter goes right up into Hades's face, and she says, you are not good enough for my daughter, and I think you know that. And she's, she's assigning all of this motivation to him, that he just, he's trying to use her as some kind of cure for everything that ails him. He Wants to possess her like she's one of his stupid, worthless diamonds. It's interesting. Since this series got started, they keep talking about how worthless diamonds are. And I think that's that's hilarious. I guess maybe perhaps Hades flooded the market because he can get a hold of diamonds or he can actually make them. I don't know. But Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Demeter, and it's really similar to the trial when... Because Persephone had that book of all the stuff that she wanted to do to make Elysium, I think, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and... Everybody assumed that she had some sort of nefarious purpose. And Hades called them out on that. And he said, you cannot believe that someone like Persephone could actually want someone like me. And that's why you're acting like this. And it's the same thing that Demeter is now doing. She can't accept the idea that he could possibly have genuine feelings for somebody. And I don't know exactly how it happens. But at one point, Persephone even blurts out. She's like... I'm the queen of the underworld, you know, just to be like, this is, not, this is not Hades taking advantage of her. Hades is not coercing her. Persephone is now queen of the underworld. And of course, what does Demeter do? Demeter's like, you're married? <laughs> Persephone says, no, we're not. It's complicated. And Demeter's like, it's complicated. And Persephone said, yes, there's this secret tree down in the underworld. And Demeter says, oh, no, which tells me that Demeter knew about that tree with the pomegranates somehow, probably, because she instantly probably. knew what that meant, that this isn't, this isn't, you know, Hades granting the role of queen on Persephone. Persephone is the queen of the underworld. Well, the traditional story was always that Persephone was tricked into eating the pomegranate seeds. So of course, ah, that's okay. what Demeter's going to think now. Yes. She's going to be like, this is how you trapped my daughter down here. And I'm like, oh, because it's not... It's not done. I mean, the next time we see uh, Demeter in the next episode, spoilers, she's back in the moral realm, but she's just stomping off to do something. She's furious. I'm like, she's not done. No, she isn't. And I just... God, the thing that I am really hoping doesn't happen, I feel like Apollo's going to start bending Demeter's ear about how maybe Apollo can save her. And since Demeter doesn't know what went on between Apollo and Persephone, she's going to think he's the better option than Hades. So oh, I just, because I can see Apollo being oh, really manipulative about that. And we still haven't seen Apollo, so we still don't know what he's up to. But in this episode, in the second episode, Um, it's all about Minthe. It is Minthe's backstory because she is, you know, she was hanging out with the nymphs in the mortal realm, and she told them, I'm sorry, I've got to go do a thing. And she wanders off. And she's remembering being a plant and where, you know, maybe you're in pain, maybe you're fear, but those things really don't matter when you're a plant. You can just think. And so she thinks about her mother, who was apparently supremely indifferent to being a mother. Yeah, and... (laughs) I do have to say though, it's it's interesting. You know, you wait two weeks to find out what's gonna happen between Hades and Persephone and Demeter and we get the one episode. I'm like, Oh man, what's gonna happen next? And we go to the episode after that, I'm like, Oh no, it's a Minth episode. No <laughs> I mean, yes, I wanna know what happened to Minth. I wanna know how you know, her time in the mortal realm all shook out, and has she changed? And I'm like, yes, I want to know those things, but I really want to know what's going to happen to Hades and Persephone and Demeter first. And I was like, fine, okay, myth. <laughs> so, I mean, Rachel's mind is really trying to give us a backstory to explain how she became the way she is. And the commenters are kind of divided about it. Some of them are like they like to see her as a well-rounded individual, give us a little context. Other people are like, "Yes, it's good to have context and everything." Doesn't explain how she acted cuz she was fucking toxic. Yeah, she really was, and it was all kind of goes back to the fact that she really what she was an independent child because her mom was, you know, really interested in just partying and then sleeping all day. But men th- also really, really wanted her mother to love her. And her mother just didn't. And that's, yep. it's a shame. And I can see why that would turn her into somebody who would kind of use emotion as sort of a barter system like she did with Hades. I mean, because she mm-hmm. she thinks about him, she thinks about her other relationships, and she admits that they probably weren't didn't really count as relationships, mm-hmm. but then there was Hades, and they were. She thought that they were both, you know, completely unsuited to being married, so they were kind of perfect for each other, except for the fact that Hades really did want a loving relationship, and Minth didn't. She didn't. She didn't want to be tied down. Um, maybe, it, maybe it's kind of like a once burned sort of thing that she wanted so badly for her mother to love her, and that didn't work out. So now she just kind of like shies away from anybody who says that they will, so yeah, yeah, that was she she had a tough time and then suddenly she's waking up and it is her coming back to life after being transformed from a mint plant. So this was when Persephone managed to fix the curse that she put on minth. yeah, and I shouldn't be surprised by the fact that Mint woke up from being a plant and saw Persephone as it immediately pissed off. I mean, because Persephone's trying to be kind of conciliatory and everything, not like falling all over herself, but just you know, hoping that mint mint is okay. And Minthe's like, you, you can't just talk your way out of this doing something like that. And Persephone is just, I don't know, I love it. Once again, she's just like, I've got a lot of stuff to do. I really don't have time to be yelled at right now, you know? And she just cuts her short. Yeah, and Minth storms off and Persephone storms off. And then Persephone thinks about it a little bit harder and turns and tries to call her back because she probably realizes she's traumatized at this point. So maybe mm-hmm. not throwing her out is a good idea. But Daphne tells her, just give her some space. And wow. Minth just kind of storms off and goes over to the um, the actual, I guess it's the outside of the garden area or whatever it is where the flower nymphs are, yeah. and comes across this mortal who's like kowtowing and being all, oh my god, goddess, I've come across you when you're undressed. Please take this to recover your dignity. And Minth is just like, yeah, fine, bye. It's <laughs> <Just> not appreciative <laughs> at all. But nope, she storms nope. off to the train station. And she's trying to find somebody to help her get back to Olympus, not realizing there are no trains to Olympus anymore at this point. Nope. Nope. The place is deserted. She's furious. She's stomping around and she hears something and she kind of looks over into this one corner and there's this tiny little girl who's just crying and looking upset and... That's where the episode ends, that that's, you know, Myth discovered this little girl and we leave it there. And of course, all the commenters are just like, oh, is she going to like be a mom to the little nymph girl that she never had herself? Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, eh, I I want to see more about Persephone and Hades. You know, I mean, yes, I'd like to see Myth get redeemed, but I'm all these commenters who are very enthusiastic about this. I'm like... Yeah, as long as we can go back to the other story once this is wrapped up, thanks. Yeah, but I've been looking at the little preview images, and I think next week is going to be about more with Minth and this little uh, nymph I girl. Know. And then the week after that, oh, spoilers, it looks like Theddy's going to make an appearance. Have you seen that one? Oh No, I haven't. Hang on. Let me just jump on Instagram real fast. If you go onto Rachel Smythe's Instagram feed, she puts preview images up. Hers is used band right? It's such yep. an interesting yep. choice word. for an Instagram. I know, it really is. Oh, is it the one that starts out with somebody giving Hades a donut? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she's been doing two images in her FastPass preview lately. Yeah. And then I see Thetis and she's... She's wearing what almost looks like a bridal outfit. And she's got a little baby with her. Oh, no. Did she and Zeus? I have no idea, and neither oh. do any of the commenters. They're thinking that's Achilles, because Thetis is from the myth. That is who Achilles' yeah. mother is. But she had a baby with a mortal, and people pointed out that there aren't any, like, goddess features to this little child or nymph ears or anything like that. Yeah, and he's actually like human sort of, I mean, you could almost say he's like human flesh colored, Uh not like with the bright colors that all the gods and goddesses are. So I'm like... Oh my goodness. Yeah, and everybody's okay. also pointing out the fact that she's got one of those leashes, like kid leashes on him, which really goes back to the original mythology that Thetis was a very, very overprotective mother to Achilles. Oh, I mean Thetis convinced Achilles to dress as a woman and live with a whole bunch of other women just so she could try to save him from going to war. So Mauracious. this is this is gonna be very interesting to see how that shakes out. And I wanna know what Minth thinks of Thetis. Because I thought they had indicated at one point that Minth could actually hear people, even though she was stuck as a mint plant. So, they don't, yeah. And, and Thanatos and uh, Thetis were shouting truths at each other at the trial. So Minth had to have heard that if she could actually hear anything. Yeah, but you would think that. But then again, she's very clueless about the fact that there's no trains going up to Olympus. So I That's mean, true. we don't know how much she can or did or whatever. So yeah, and just the whole... The whole thing that this whole plot of theirs to, I don't know, break up Hades and Persephone by telling Zeus about what happened, I mean, it basically through Olympus and the Underworld at war with each other for 10 years. So I'm like, I hope that Thetis didn't get out scot-free. Yeah? I hope not. I mean, maybe she was banished to the mortal realm and that's why she ended up knocked up with a human's baby. I mean, who the heck knows at this point? I don't know. And, you know, there's always the chance with all these characters that we really don't like. I mean, Apollo and we were hoping terrible things happen to them and they're awful. And yet Zeus managed to turn himself around from being this petulant little boy to being really lovely and apologetic and, you know, taking away the punishment and everything, wouldn't it be amazing if Apollo and Thetis both did something to make us be like, oh, who knew? They had it in them. I sort of almost hope they don't. I want them to get some comeuppance first. I though. do. I mean, it, maybe if that happens to Thetis, sure, not Apollo. Apollo's no. crossed way too many lines. And I'm still wondering if there's any kind of reconciliation between Zeus and Hera because it's not Mm -hmm. just that Hera was really mad at him for the whole separating Hades and Persephone, but it was pretty clear at the trial that Thetis had been in a relationship with Zeus, so that was probably embarrassing. And the fact that Zeus had a couple of children out of wedlock with Hera's former best friend, she can't have been happy about any of that. So I I do kind of like how... Rachel didn't, like, give us 10 years of storyline of Hades and Persephone being separated. No, we just jumped 10 years, and now we're getting, like, little bits and pieces of the history sprinkled through the main story. I think that works yeah. better. I do. I do. That's the end of the episodes. I mean, I know, I know I've been going on, like, oh, my God, a myth episode, but it really was. It's a good episode, and, of course, the art's beautiful. Of course. The art is always beautiful. Always. Okay, so that's it for Laura Olympus. I have to jump into something that I am incredibly proud of. What's that? I finally finished watching the first season of Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who episodes. Oh! Finally. Fantastic. How long did you have that um, DVD rented from the library? Oh, God, like... At least a month and a half, maybe even longer. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. See, the thing is, as long as nobody has a hold on it, you can kind of keep it as long as you want because they won't do late fees. But I did just get a notice uh, last week from the library about, hey, you have to actually do something to this, renew it, turn it in, something. I was like, eh, I'm going to watch it. So I finished watching all the episodes. And? Oh, I know. I can see why at Comic-Con, Comic-Con right after her first season, I attended a Doctor Who panel and a lot of people were talking about it, that it was not like a real great first outing for her, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, I think all the acting was good. I think the effects were good. I just, the writing was weird. Um... I think the best episode was the one that actually had Brett Goldstein, who was um, uh, What's-His-Face from Ted Lasso, Roy Kent. Um, Yay! <laughs> he did great. That was a fun episode. Just it's, It takes place on a space station. There's aliens. Um, there's a lot of just fun interactions with people. I thought that was probably one of the better episodes. I think it was the second to last episode of the season, and there was this thing where... There had been something going on and they're trying to figure something out. And then like three quarters of the way through the episode, the doctor is like, I think I know what this is. And drops this story that her grandmother told her, which is like this really central idea to what's going to finally solve the mystery. And I'm like, you can't. Bring that in out of nowhere three-quarters of the way through the episode. Just it wasn't lazy writing. At all. Oh, it was no! Very, very lazy writing, and then a weird episode. So I, I think the writing could have been a lot better. Um, none of it was that episode was not particularly strong. I don't think any of it was bad. And I think the final episode of the season had a lot of like, yay, fun moments, woo, and everything. But Interestingly, it does make me want to watch some of the other seasons because I'm hoping they manage to figure their shit out. I yeah, yeah. I, I heard that complaint from a lot of people. I mean, there were people that were just like, okay, I'm not saying that Jody Whittaker was a bad doctor, but they really did think that... Just the, the writers didn't really utilize her very well. They didn't yeah. like write the kind of stories that have would have worked really well with her. So, which yeah. is a shame because yeah, she doesn't I mean, have any control over that. And unfortunately, no. what we're seeing a lot in things like Star Wars is that people tend to zero in on the actor, not realizing yeah. that in a lot of ways the actor has the least amount of control about how the story is told. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I actually, after the first season came out, I really sort of tuned out any kind of Doctor Who feedback. So I don't know. What was the general consensus about the next couple seasons? Have people been like, yay? Have people been like, eh? I, I, I feel like I was tuning it out out of guilt for not watching any more of it. But Same. I think Same. meh might be the overarching theme. I'm hoping I'm wrong. but you know, And, and I do need to watch these things because I'm very curious about the next Doctor that they've already chosen. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I think they did a good job. There were some good moments here and there for sure, but um, eh, we'll see. Um, But I was able to get the DVDs back to the library, so yay. That's good. And in a lateral move on the next topic, um, Jenna Coleman from Doctor Who. She was in episode three of The Sandman, which I finally finished watching. Nice. (laughs) What did you think? I thought it was really good. I thought that was a very intriguing choice to have Jenna Coleman play... Joanna Constantine instead of John mm-hmm. Constantine, and I think that works because we 've had multiple iterations of John Constantine, and you know if if somebody liked you know the male version better, you got choices, so yeah. let 's try something new. But the episode itself was really interesting I mean that whole that opening scene where um, Joanna Constantine is having a nightmare about a battle with demons that went very, very wrong and basically like. Dissolved some poor little girl right in front of her and and then she wakes up and she's having a nightmare and that there's lots of echoes of the original comic book that the story is based on and that was one of them that John was having lots of nightmares and uh, by the time the episode ends Sandman promises you won't be having those anymore which is which is nice I like that I kind of like the fact that in the original story, spoilers, by the way, both for the original story and for this episode. Mm-hmm. But In the original story, John Constantine, they're trying to find the Sandman's bag of magic sand. Mm-hmm. And the Sandman is pretty sure that John had it at one point. And John's like, I'm not sure where it is. And he finally realizes there was a woman that he'd been hooking up with. But she was one of those women where you wake up the next morning and your TV and your stereo and your bag of magic sand is gone. You know, She just <laughs> sort of walked off with it. And so they track her down in this one it's similar but it's more like joanna who had been in a relationship with this woman which i thought was a nice touch um she actually kind of ran away from the relationship didn't think it was going to end well anyway and so she decided to hightail it out but it wasn't that the woman stole the sand from her the sand had been left there and the woman found it which i thought was kind of a nicer way to do it well it seems like i mean when you think about it uh Sometimes the representation of women in the original comic books is not that broad. They they very much do seem to be side characters. So I do like this version where Neil Gaiman is exploring, well, what if there were more main characters who happen to be female? And I like that a lot. And it gives a little bit more agency to everybody. I mean, poor Rachel, you know, it doesn't end well for her with the sand and everything, but it wasn't entirely her fault because she was left with a magical artifact by somebody who would rather ghost a relationship than maybe admit that sometimes it's worth it to risk... Uh, a relationship not working out, so that's and Jenna Coleman. I I really liked her performance in this because she's just very brash and there's a lot of you know fuck this and fuck that and the other, which is interesting to see from a Doctor Who companion. So she's yes. definitely breaking out of that particular mold. But yes. um, all of the bits where she's like facing down a demon. Uh, were really impressive. And the effects on this were gorgeous. And she, you know, bumps heads with um, Morpheus pretty badly because she's not going to be intimidated by anybody, much less the king of all dreams. So it was just, it was really entertaining to watch that whole segment. Now, the bit with John Dee and his mother, uh, Ethel Cripps, that was interesting in a different way. Yeah, they went in a different direction. I think in the original comic book, she sent him the ruby, right? No, she him? sent him the demon um, protection right. amulet because I think she was dying. And yeah. I remember saying in the last episode that I hoped maybe that would change because I liked the actress they picked and I was hoping we'd get to see more of her. No, no, nope, 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 nope. She was there and basically she knew that she wasn't going to be able... I mean, the Sandman was coming for the ruby mm-hmm. and she just wanted to make sure her... Main goal was to make sure that no matter what, her son would be safe. And in the end, she's just like, I always wanted you to be safe, so I'm going to give you this amulet. And the amulet was what had been keeping her alive so long. She was a lot older than she looked. So as soon as she gives him the amulet, she just basically. I don't know, crumbles away to dust? <laughs> very close to it. And it was yeah. it was actually very poignant, I think, because the two of them had obviously had an adversarial relationship. I mean, he stole the ruby. But, you know, he wants her to tell him the truth because he found out who his father was, that mm-hmm. it was um, Burgess yeah. uh, and this, you know, incredibly famous mage. And she'd be lying to him the whole time. And she told him... Your father was a horrible person, not going to repeat that word, and he wanted me to abort you. And there's this pause, and John looks at her and says, that may be the first true thing you've ever said to me. So, And then then they have the conversation, and apparently she used the ruby as like, like a birthday gift for him every year. She would bring it out and tell him to make a wish. And suddenly there'd be like a pony in the backyard or there'd be a snowfall in July or something. And it was, it sounds really delightful. Also really dangerous, but yeah. Yeah. And he, he stole the ruby and it's obviously done things to him, but he's also altered it. So she won't be able to use it. And with the back and forth, She just can't convince him to just tell her where the ruby is so she can maybe get it back to Morpheus and hope that he forgives them. And giving him the amulet was just her last, her last act. It was all that she could do because she wasn't getting that ruby from him. Nope. Nope. nope, nope. Did they show in that episode, because I can't remember, it's been a while, because I've watched several more episodes than you have. I I know. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Did they show the moments when he's actually leaving the facility, or is that in the next episode? Oh, yeah, they did show that, because somebody, like, a guard came in and saw Ethel Cripps dead on the ground and thought John did something, and he pulls out a gun, and he won't listen to John telling him that's not going to work, and he shoots him. Oh, and that thing where um, the Corinthian, like, kind of, like, explodes into these ribbons, these sort of tatters, and then disappears, oh, when it happens to a human, there's blood. There's a lot of blood. It's a lot of blood because then he goes towards an elevator and there's two people in the elevator and they're pointing guns at him and he's telling them not to do that. And you don't see exactly what happens except when the elevator gets out on the first floor and the doors open. You just you see what the elevator looks like. And it's like, oh, my God. It's <laughs> oh, my God. It's like something gore. It's like Hellraiser in there. It's really oh, effective. Really, really effective. Really. Oh, God. But now, so did they show who he met when he got out of the facility? Yes, it was Matthew the Raven, who was very excellently voiced by Patton Oswald. I really mm-hmm. approve of that. And um, it's a little, I guess it's kind of similar because I think was Matthew the Raven's first adventure after being turned into a raven, after dying in his sleep in the mm-hmm. original comic book series. So he doesn't quite know what he's doing. He's not sure what the heck's going on. You know, he died in his sleep and suddenly he's a raven. But um, Lucien sent him to help Morpheus and Morpheus is not interested. And no. he's being really kind of mean about it, but it all comes back to the fact that his last raven died trying to save him and he doesn't want that to happen again. So he's sure. trying to send Matthew away and Matthew's just like, no, I'm not doing that. And I loved the last bit because when Morpheus gets his bag of sand back, and he tells uh, Matthew that you need to leave because you can't come with me to this next place, and Matthew says, "Or another idea, I can come with you, and we can never have this conversation again." And there's just pause, and Morpheus <laughs> says, "That sounds like a good idea." <laughs> <laughs> And the effects are always really good. Every time you see effects, I love the sand effects that happens with that. And there were so many, like um, when Joanna was talking to Rachel, she was actually having a dream at one point, And it was like, I don't know, maybe they were going to reconcile, except they sort of separate. And Rachel starts talking to her about how when you left, I talked to everybody. And she's like, who did you talk to? And she's listing all their friends. And, and uh, Joanna's just like, oh, no. And I forget exactly what Rachel says, but as she's talking, you see like a tear go down, but it's not a tear. Her face is getting dark and it's getting black and her face cracks and becomes, I mean, it just totally, she's in the middle of a nightmare. But the effects were so good. I actually had to stop and rewind and watch it again. So the next episode is them going to hell and I'm looking forward to that because I I can't I haven't been looking up the cast list because I want to be surprised because I did see who was going to be playing Lucifer and I was very intrigued so mm. I'm I definitely need to check that one out but yeah I'm really enjoying this series and I over and over again they're making changes to the story but it's changes that make it interesting for the people who already know the story and exactly. don't want to be bored yeah we can't count on what happens? So, uh, you know, we, we really don't know who will and won't survive at this point. And I got to tell you that whole opening nightmare that uh, Joanna Constantine was having, where she was fighting that demon in a, um, like a dance club or something. Oh, oh that was really impressive. That yeah. whole thing. What a way to start out an episode. Yeah, it was great. And one last thing that I want to mention. So of course, um, Tamsin Muir's newest book, uh, Nana the Ninth mm-hmm. just came out. I knew it was coming out. And I knew that when I had read Harrow the Ninth, I had always thought that I needed to go back and reread some of it Mm -hmm. because I finished it so fast. And there's like, you know, like 60 or 75 pages at the end that are like the acknowledgments and the glossary and an extra little story and everything. So I basically got to the end of the book way faster than I thought. And I felt like I had rushed it. I am so glad. This past weekend, the other thing I did was I reread Harrow the Night from beginning to end. Oh, wow. Yeah. It gives you a whole new perspective when you read it the second time because you absorb so much more. I think I enjoyed it way more the second time around. I really do because I was very lost the first time around. But you do pick up things by the time you finish reading it the first time. And to go back with that knowledge and reread it again, I'm like... Okay, I've got a handle on this. So, I actually did just this afternoon, I actually bought um, Nana the Ninth and I started that one. So. Yes, I've started that one too. And I know I've also got to read the next book in the *Skullman's* trilogy, but I'm, yes. I gotta read Nana the Ninth first. It's just, oh, it yeah. has to happen. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, that's what a great series. But I guess it's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out PixlatedGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Let's see. We had a little bit of information on the site about IDW's schedule for New York Comic Con. That's Mm -hmm. coming up fairly soon. So probably keep an eye out if you want to have more information about panels and exclusives, that kind of thing. Leland just posted an article today. He is hoping to go to Season Screamings, which is in Pasadena. I don't know how many of you guys go to horror conventions, but Leland loves them. And there's one called Midsummer Scream. And this is the same company, but they're doing another one in December. And it is a horror-themed convention, but it's going to have a Christmas vibe. So, yeah, hopefully Leland will get to go to that and he'll take a lot of pictures. So, uh, all the information of that is on the site. All that and more, PicksLatedGeek.com. So we've got Night Vale next week. Indeed, yep, Uh, right on schedule. I need to post the picture. Our friend Wade actually used Midjourney to make kind of his attempt at one of the murals that was mentioned in the Night Vale episode, murals. And I think it turned out pretty good. So oh my I'll god, that one that one picture of the horse that's kind of towering over a countryside, that is the most Nightvalian thing I have ever seen outside of an actual Night Vale production. I'm wondering how much longer it's gonna be that I can resist downloading or getting access to the whole mid-journey anything because that just, the the things that it comes up with are just all so beautifully surreal. It's crazy. And I know if anybody's, you know, an anti-AI person, don't worry. I know this thing is going to turn the industry on its head. And like any major advance in technology, it's going to have a human cost, I'm sure. Um, But I think one thing to remember is, the The free version of the program only gets you so far, uh, and then you have to pay like ten dollars a month to have more access, and then you pay more money the more pictures you want to generate. My friend Wade says he's up to forty bucks a month at this point, so you know, yeah, it takes a lot of attempts to get anything specific, and that's the problem. Is that if you just want some kind of like random image yes, it's probably going to do very good. But if you have a client who needs a really specific thing, you better know how to use Photoshop as well to kind of manipulate everything that you get out of it. Yeah, um, I I saw at least one person laughing about that on Twitter, the idea that um, MidJourney was going to replace all graphic designers because you could just tell MidJourney what you wanted and it would create it. And they said, ha, that depends on clients who actually know how to tell you what they want. Yeah, yeah, that's a big thing. Or even know what they want. My God, the number (laughs) of clients who they know what they, they don't know what they want, and you give them something, and that's helpful because now they know what they don't want. And like, oh, <laughs> Great. God. Anyway, um, I'm sure we'll have more conversations about that in the future, but one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. Sorry, is it siren. Oh, over right down the street. <laughs> Everybody, drink. Mm. Pass the house. All the way down the street. <laughs> All the way down the street. <laughs> As, after having been changed from being a plant to back being, boy, that really came out wrong. Hit second. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, you need to take a look. Goodness look, gracious, I mean. Take a look right what? now, I think. So, because I think we need to discuss, because I think that the, the commenters are going crazy. Jody Whitaker's. Whitaker? Is that her name? The Let me try that again. Sirens, everybody Sirens. Oh, well, a lot more of them today than there usually are, or have been for a while. Yeah, no, actually, this is at least like the fifth today that I've been wow. with you. All the way down the street. <laughs> So it's not the guy that like plays with the siren, like I haven't heard him in a long time, unfortunately. That's a shame.